When our greatest pain becomes our greatest gift. My name is Andrea, and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. And today, we are diving deep into the divine lens, the understanding that our emotional pain serves a higher purpose in our lives, the perspective that the pain of the past, present, and future is a gift and not a curse. Growing up in a dysfunctional family, we did not learn this lesson that pain can be a gift. We were taught pain is bad, that pain serves no purpose. Therefore, we must stop the pain as soon as possible by using drugs, alcohol, or some other compulsive behavior, or just by flat out ignoring and denying the underlying source of pain. But guess what? Our pain continued. And for many of us, the faulty belief is ingrained in us that not only is pain wrong, not only does pain mean we have done something wrong, but that pain means that we are wrong. And this follows us into adulthood, or at least that was the case for me. I remember being at a 12-step meeting in the height of the Brian number two madness in the most excruciating pain of my life, and I shared about how much pain I was in, and I shared about the deep sense of shame that I felt. Not that I was experiencing pain, but that because I was the culprit and cause of my pain. Now, the message that I had received in early sobriety from old timers was that life sucked, they got sober, and that life was pretty damn okay going forward. Yes, life on life's terms continued to happen. Painful experience did occur, but that painful experiences of our own making ceased the day we put down the drink. Now, whether or not this is actually what people were saying, it probably was not. But for some reason, that was the message that I received. So here I am with nine years sober, and I have so much shame that my pain is the result of my actions, that my pain was the result of my inability to learn my lesson and grow from all of the other prior painful, shitty relationships that I had been in. And as y'all know, there had been quite a few. So at the end of the meeting, this guy walks up to me and he hands me a piece of paper with his name and number on it. And he looks at me and he says, I've been exactly where you are. I know exactly how you feel. And I want you to know that one day you will realize that this pain you are feeling right now is the biggest blessing you have ever received. And I thought to myself, I thought I was at an AA meeting and not a fucking Tony Robbins conference. Life isn't happening to you. It's happening for you. Shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> 
But you see, at that point in time, the story, the belief, the overarching theme that I had attached to the pain I had experienced in romantic relationships was that I was inherently flawed and unlovable, and that the pain I was experiencing was punishment for this. But then I read A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. And in that book, she talks about how nothing in life happens by accident, that everything has a reason even if we can't see it in the moment, but there is always a hidden positive purpose in any given situation. And with that philosophy, we realize that each situation is a blessing in disguise. Now, none of this was new information for me. I had heard this. I had read this many times. My head believed this, but my heart had not believed this. But through reading this book, I was finally able to internalize it. And I realized that it wasn't my pain that had defined me. It was my perception of this pain. And there was one thing that she said in particular that hit me very hard. Examining the past can help clarify many of our problems, but healing doesn't occur in the past. It occurs in the present. There is practically a mania these days for blaming the events of our childhood for our current despair. What the ego doesn't want us to see is that our pain doesn't come from the love we weren't given in the past, but from the love we ourselves aren't giving in the present. Salvation is only found in the present. Now, today I am talking to Sue Frederick. She is a spiritual intuitive and the author of Your Divine Lens, The Secret to Finding Purpose, Healing Grief, and Living in Alignment with Your Soul. This book is all about our perception of pain. And she explains that we have two ways. We have two options in how we view our pain. The first is through the ego lens, in which life feels chaotic, painful, and meaningless. Or we can perceive it through our divine lens, in which we confront pain with the understanding that it serves a divine purpose in our lives to become better versions of ourselves to grow closer to our higher power, to live a more meaningful life, to be of service to others. Now, we've talked about blame a lot throughout the podcast, how adult child recovery is about examining our pain, but that it is not an exercise of blaming those who hurt us. And this is for two reasons. The first being, which we've talked about a lot, the generational nature of family dysfunction. But more importantly, blame blocks us from healing. Blame keeps us in the ego lens. Blame blocks us from receiving the gift of pain. When we view our dysfunctional upbringings and the subsequent impact through our ego lens as a tragic injustice, we remain victims. As long as we stay in the victim role, we see our pain as a curse and we continue to allow those who caused us pain to continue to cause us pain and have power over us. But the moment we shift our perception to the divine lens, this is the moment we take our power back and our greatest pain becomes our greatest blessing. And we realize that our parents were our teachers placed in our lives for the purpose of evolving and growing our souls rather than being our punishers. Now, this might sound cheesy or weird or woo-woo, but I really mean it. Because it's been my experience, and it's why I created this podcast. I said in the first episode, it has been through shining a light on the shame and pain of my past that I have been able to create a life of depth and meaning, and it has shaped me into the person that I am today who is someone I truly love. 
And I cherish and embrace that self-inflicted pain that I once felt such deep shame about. My intention in creating this was to inspire those who grew up in a dysfunctional family to embrace their pain, their stories, their entire fucking stories, especially the shit that we deem the most painful. Because that shit is not shameful and embarrassing. That shit is our greatest gift. That shit is our fuel that we use to become better versions of ourselves, the fuel we can use to live our very best life. That is, if you are willing to do the work. Again, this shit ain't easy. It's not going to happen overnight. But the gift is that we get to live as our true selves. We get to know ourselves on a deeper level than most people. And we get to experience life and connection on a deeper level than most. And that truly is the greatest gift. So now for my conversation with Sue. And so I met Sue in July of 2019. I had a intuitive reading from her. So this was the time when I was trying to figure out my higher purpose, my higher calling. I was not figuring it out. And so I googled career intuitives and I found Sue. And Sue is a big catalyst to the podcast. She really planted a seed for me. And the following is one of my favorite quotes from Your Divine Lens. The moment you see that your greatest shame, your greatest pain is also your greatest gift, you'll understand why you're here and who you are. Love your pain and fear. Embrace your darkness. It will lead you to your gifts, your courage, and your divinity. It will open the heart. to introduce Sue Frederick. She is an author of eight books. She is a intuitive spiritual coach, and she's a soon-to-be ordained unity minister. And most importantly, her and I connected about two years ago when I was trying to figure out what the hell to do with my life. And little did I know at that time that about two years later, I would be interviewing her for my damn podcast. So wow, another uh, divinely inspired moment. So welcome, Sue. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I mean, this was kind of the vision that we held for you. And look at you, girl. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember you telling me, you need to start writing. And I did start writing, but I couldn't finish anything that I wrote. <laughs> so then I just started talking. <laughs> Well, you're here to be a visionary leader one way or another. So, so awesome to see you doing this. Yeah, it's amazing. I, uh, I really, I re-listened to our conversation many, many times and um, you planted a huge seed for me. So I just, I was trying to think, I think I just Googled intuitive career coach and, and came across you. So yeah, I've been at it a long time. So usually I come up pretty quickly. And in fact, I think I'm the first person to ever call myself a career intuitive. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love it. It's so awesome. So why don't you, but kind of before we get into all that, 
Do you want to share a little bit about your upbringing? I know you were sharing with me prior to us starting to record about how you could relate to stuff that you heard in my podcast. Do you consider yourself to have a dysfunctional upbringing? My answer to that is, do you actually know anyone who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I mean, of course I do have a dysfunctional childhood and You know, I was the weird kid from day one because I would literally come to the breakfast table and talk about my dreams and freak out my family with what I was telling them. And then the the exact things I was telling them would come true later that day. And you grew up in New Orleans, right? New Orleans in the 50s and Catholic, deeply Catholic family. So what was one of those examples of a dream you had that came true? So I dreamt, and this was when I was in maybe uh, freshman year in high school. I don't know. It was when we were finally driving. So I guess sophomore year. And that morning I woke up and said to my family, I had this dream that I was in Denise Shetler's car and Gwen was driving and we were going down Old Shell Road and this green truck pulled up in front of us and it had a padlock and double doors and we smashed right into the back of it. And my family was like, what? You don't dream in color? Because back then that's what they thought. And I was like, no, it was a green truck. It was really green. And, you know, I was pretty much laughed and dismissed out of um, that breakfast conversation. And then later that day, at the end of a long day at school, we all pile into uh, Denise's car and I'm still not thinking about it. And Gwen and Denise says, I have a headache. Gwen, can you drive? And so Gwen jumps in to drive and, and she decides to go down Old Shell Road because they had a smoothie sort of place there. And I'm still not clicking with it. I'm still thinking, you know, cool, I get to have a, a milkshake. And we're heading down Old Shell Road and this green pickup truck, this green truck with double doors and a padlock isn't pulls up in front of us and I'm yelling then from the back seat this is my dream don't hit it don't hit it and we did come right up against it and bump it but we didn't because there was a pileup ahead of us and but we didn't crash into it in a bad way and I have often thought that dream is the reason that we didn't have a terrible accident that day but none of those things made me popular at school or even accepted by my family I mean it was all very weird and shameful back then what did you think about that like did you think that you had a special gift like no I lived in a world I mean I talked to clients all the time who also felt growing up because they were intuitive that they lived in a world they didn't understand. And that's how I felt. I felt like, doesn't everybody have these experiences? Doesn't everybody kind of connect to an invisible, like I didn't have words for it, but I just, my whole perception of this reality was different than what other people were experiencing. And I was trying to figure out how to survive. I mean, that's what shame is. You get to this point where it's like, I'm just trying to survive here. Mm -hmm. So you learn to shut up. You learn to keep it to yourself. I mean, I had a voice that would come in and warn me about stuff. And I'm grateful because it was a loving, beautiful guide helping me. And And so really because of that, I kind of survived and my gift was writing from the beginning. And I know now that writing came to me because I was very much connected to the higher realms, to the right brain consciousness. So if I sat down with pen and paper, 
it just flowed into me. Mm-hmm. And I remember turning in assignments and poetry and my teachers would go, did she really write this? That weird kid who never speaks like, you know, they couldn't figure it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's not that you shut it down completely. You just didn't voice it, but you were still kind of accepting the messages that were being granted to you. Well, I wish I could say I had made some conscious good decision, but literally there was no way to shut it down. You know, this, I mean, even when I was disowned and left home at 18, um, you know, my boyfriend, my first boyfriend got very used to me waking up in the middle of the night, freaked out from a dream and you know, and just all the weird things that would happen to me, that became just who I was once I left home. So I think you became a a writer, right? Uh, After, and then what kind of transitioned you into doing this spiritual work? Because I think you had a little bit of an emotional bottom. Well, a little bit of a bottom. That's a very (laughs) kind way to say it. Um, You know, just like everybody here who's sensitive, I really struggled in my 20s to figure out how to be in this world because I certainly didn't have a business sense. You know, my left brain was not very well developed. And I became a Montessori preschool teacher because um, I loved kids and I could actually do that and help them a lot. And I did use my intuition in that job and that career. Um, But eventually I knew I needed to be a writer. And so I went to journalism school and uh, ended up being a journalist for many years where I was executive editor of magazines. And so we'd write about health and all these uh, things that I believed in, but we'd never really touch spirituality and intuition. But I gained a lot of confidence being a magazine executive editor. And so that was a very good process to just feel that I could be in this world and survive. Mm -hmm. And so then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) So then what happened? I was a single mom in my 40s. Um, You know, well, I guess the big story is when I was 29, I was married to my mountain climbing husband and we thought we were invincible and we both worked for outward bound climate leading groups up mountains, overcoming fears. And he was diagnosed with colon cancer and died um, a year from his diagnosis and I was taking care of him. And so he died in my arms when I was 29. And grief, I believe, is our greatest teacher, and it breaks you wide open and also sends you on your journey of trying to figure out how this universe works, where your love went, and why you're still here. And that really launched me on the journey that eventually became this work. I have really examined lately what happened to me in my 30s, because you know, I feel like in my 30s, I was just a lost puppy. And, and I was like, for a few years, I went and lived in Mexico and taught fitness. And it just took me a while to get my feet on the ground. And what I've understood now is that it wasn't just Paul's death, like a year later, my best childhood girlfriend, who I'd always loved, Chrissy, she died of leukemia. She was a huge part of my childhood, my only friend in lots of ways. And, um, and then the following year, another friend who was like a brother to me, he died. And so by the time I was in my mid 30s, I had probably lost all the important people in my life. And, um, and grief 
really ripped me apart. And I work with grieving clients now because I know that once you've been through devastating loss, you're never the same person, but you can be better. But you've got to be open to exploring what this universe is about. You can't have dogma. You can't have a closed mind. You've got to be open to say, why did my husband appear to me last night in bed so vividly that I know he was real? You've got to allow those experiences to come into your heart and explore them. Mm -hmm. And that was my spiritual thing. I studied theosophy, Native American spirituality, everything I get my hands on, Hinduism, Buddhism, and unity really resonated. And that's why, because I was trying to understand how the universe works. Have you figured it out? (laughs) (laughs) One thing I know for certain that took me many decades to learn is that this is a loving consciousness universe, no matter how things appear, and that God is a loving consciousness, and that God is inside of us. That's the great thing. I mean, that's why I'm becoming a unity minister. They are the path that says God is a loving presence, a loving consciousness, and lives in everyone's heart. Mm -hmm. Now, you just grasp that for a moment, and you can look at your life in a very different way, because you're now not a victim. You are in a loving universe that is trying to help you grow and evolve. And that's life-changing to me, that perspective. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about your book, Divine Lens. Um, And actually something that you said to me, probably the most pivotal thing that you said to me when we had our initial reading was, you know, you just talking about how we all kind of come into this life with our great pain or the great struggle. um, And that it is through this great pain, this great struggle that we are able to find and use our, our greatest gift. And that really that really resonated with me hard. Uh, So I was kind of hoping you could expand on that some. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing because there's a a fake reality here that says, hey, we're all just happy. We're all just looking for happiness and love. And, you know, only a few people are damaged. Only a few people have had painful stories. And the truth is the opposite of that, that we're all here as souls on a journey or spirits on a journey, whatever words you want to put to it, and that we've all got a pain story. Mm-hmm. And that pain story can be from childhood or it can be from once we left home. And whatever that pain story is, I believe it's what our soul agreed to experience and in order for us to open our hearts and grow. And I needed grief. I needed shame because I think I've always been a very stubborn soul, you know, just like wanting to do everything my way, not really open to growth and change. And man, nothing breaks you wide open for growth and change like grief and shame. And, um, and that was packed into my childhood that was packed into my early years. And the great thing about life here is we all get handed that pain story, but then it's our free will, Mm -hmm. what we're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. And we can go ahead and surrender to the pain and be that victim. And that often leads to addictions and lots of different problems. Um, But we can also have a million opportunities to say, I'm going to open my heart and say yes to growing rather than closing down. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, and I've talked about that a lot in the podcast, just about confronting adversity as opportunities to grow. But I think even beyond that, like confronting our greatest pain as our greatest gift, I just think what a difference that would make in the world if that's right. how we confronted everything. And I've been able to shift my perspective to being so freaking grateful for mm -hmm. all of, not only just all of the pain, but all of my own mistakes. You know, it's not just stuff that was out of my control, but the stuff that I chose to do on my own that I'm, you know, most people might feel ashamed or embarrassed to talk about, but I'm so grateful for all of those experiences because it shaped me into who I am today. And of course, I mean, that's the thing we, if we can shift to gratitude, that's everything. Cause once we can get into that place, we become open to other stuff. And I got to tell you the greatest souls here on this earth, I believe are grieving parents mm. and cause they've been ripped open. Like you wouldn't believe and yet their children have also come through very vividly for them to say, hey, I'm still here. Are you willing to have a different relationship with me now? And, and so they have to grow enormously in order to trust their experiences as valid. And I was working with a mom last week who lost her beautiful 19-year-old son. Mm. And uh, she's just amazing. And she said that in the moment of finding out, because he died on Everest in a college trip to the base camp of Everest. And so she was on the phone with the responders in Nepal telling her that her son was dying. And, you know, she put her voice to the phone and said, I love you, baby. And if this is your time to go, I bless you. I love you. I'm with you. And she said when she hung up the phone, she instantly sought gratitude because she'd already been through things in her life. And she knew, she said she knew it was a fork in the road. Either she was going to become the woman who goes to bed with a bottle of vodka every day, or she was going to become the woman who was grateful for every lesson and every moment. And she chose that, that gratitude path. And she's helped so many people since then. Wow. I think that to some people though, that that just seems so unattainable or impossible. What would you say to somebody who the thought of being grateful for pain or yeah. for the death of a child, or how do you even make that Transition. Well, you know, that sounds terrible the way you just said I it. So I, I want to make it really clear to everybody that she is an exceptional case and she had already been through a lot of loss. And so when that one came, she really felt her soul was going, you know, this is your moment. How are you going to handle this? Whereas many of us, when we hit that place of loss and devastation, we need to go through the journey of feeling that pain and grieving and being lost in that pain. Because in that dark night of the soul, that's where the truth begins to be revealed. You know, that moment when we're stripped down on the floor going, I surrender. I don't know any answers and I don't know how to go forward. That moment of pure breakdown surrender, that's when we're able to be a receptor to maybe a higher consciousness that might come and help us. But we've got to get broken open. We've got to be in the pain. And 
many times we might choose to stay in that pain for decades and that's okay. You know, there's no, there's no perfect journey here. Like if we have to be lost for 20 years before we decide to maybe take a different approach, that's okay. That's all part of the journey we came to experience. There is no shame in pain. There is no shame in grief. Trust me on that. And if you suddenly reach a moment where your heart feels a little open and a little maybe healed, and then you can feel a little gratitude, then that's awesome. So what would you say are some, you know, concrete steps or actions that someone can take to kind of make that shift to viewing their great pain as, as their greatest gift? Well, I think one thing is we have to be aware that we've got two voices inside of us. We've got our mind, our monkey mind, our logic brain, and that's always going to be saying, oh my gosh, this is a tragedy. You're not good enough. Like all that negative talk that comes in through the monkey mind. And we also have our heart speaking to us, our higher self, our soul's wisdom. We can call that intuition. We can call it whatever we want to call it. And those two voices are battling to see who's going to be the boss, right? And spiritual practice, meditation, I'm a huge believer in that Hindu Buddhist approach to quieting the mind through meditation. When we quiet the mind, suddenly our heart becomes the dominant force. And that's where that good wisdom begins to flow through us. And we've got to get into the discipline of knowing, oh, that's my monkey mind. I'm going to let it do its thing. But when I'm ready, I'm going to sit down and do some mantra, do some quieting of the mind, opening of the heart until I begin to feel it shift. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy. I mean, spiritual practice is something it's got the word practice in it because we have to do it daily to really reap the benefits. But um, it's the way that I have found that can really, really help people to really be able to say, you know, I've also got this other higher wisdom in me and I'm going to try to listen to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember you uh, giving me the suggestion for the mantra Om Namah Shivaya and that 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 was of the highest frequency. Um, It's something that I use all the time. Can you kind of talk about that? Yeah, I love that so much. I mean, my years working and living in in a Hindu ashram were all about me learning to meditate with Sanskrit mantras, because that's what they've taught for years. And the mantra that we were taught was Om Namah Shivaya. And in English, it means I connect to God or to divinity. And it doesn't even matter what it means in English. Sanskrit is just a very high frequency divine language. So even just saying Om is like connecting to the sound of God. And so when we repeat that mantra and we can chant it out loud or we can bring it into our heart and repeat it quietly, it really creates a higher vibration inside of us. And really begins to lift us above the pain story, the ego story. And Andrea, I know you talk a lot about addiction. And one thing I want to say is that when we're in an addictive state, whether it's to drugs, alcohol, or even sex, you know, we're not really listening to that higher wisdom voice. We're really lost in kind of our our monkey mind place. 
And yet, even then, if we can find a moment to meditate, to quiet the mind, to open the heart, you know, it's a baby step just to sit for five or 10 minutes a day and try to do that, that can begin a complete shift in your awareness that can really help you. I kind of wanted to shift into intuition some, and then also about just how we kind of connected, which was related to the intuitive career Mm -hmm. coaching. I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of listeners out there who are they don't know what their higher purpose is. They don't know what their right. higher calling is. I was once in that shoe. And what are the steps that somebody can take to figure out why was I put on this earth? Yeah, that is the ultimate question everybody has. And my first book, I See Your Dream Job, uh, a career intuitive shows you, you know, how it, what you were put on earth to do. And I have used numerology and meditation as my tool for understanding our missions here. And that was another gift of Paul's death is that when I was struggling with my grief, when I was 30, a numerologist showed up in my life and did a session with me. And she explained my soul agreement with Paul and why I was still here, according to numerology. And that was 1980. And I just immersed myself in the study of numerology. And I brought my own sacred perspective to it. Um, You can use that. You can use astrology. You can use whatever tool helps you begin to lift up and get a different view of your life. And in numerology, if you look at your soul's mission, you're adding up all the digits of your date of birth. And, and add the sun sign energy to that, you can really get a feeling of like, okay, this has been a hard journey, but I did come here to do something important. And when I'm ready, can I realign my work with that mission? And for you, Andrea, for example, you're on the path of leadership, the one path. And yet that one path of visionary leadership is also fueled by self-doubt. And that's your beautiful story. And look what you're doing with it. And, you know, look, you were not thrilled answering to bosses. And that's the one path journey. Like you're here to be the boss. (laughs) You're here here to speak your truth. You're here to move forward on your unique journey, no matter how unique that is. And that's your happiness. That's your success. And also, I believe that's where we create abundance is when we're doing the work we really came here to do. Amen. So what's your life path number? So I'm a Virgo 22. I chose the intense master soul journey of the 22. Now, trust me, master soul journey doesn't mean you're more evolved than anybody else. It means that you agreed to say, you know what? I really want to learn and grow in this lifetime. So I'm signing up. It's like saying, I'm going to go to grad school. So I'm signing up for some really intense courses down there. And then we jump in and decide like, okay, maybe I've had many times where in this life I've gone, whoa, what was I thinking? This is way too hard. This is definitely too hard. And yet the four energy that my path is grounded in makes me just keep doing the work. 
And I'm so grateful for that path because man, I can go meditate. I can go and write another book. I can just keep doing the work right now. I've just finished four years of unity ministerial school while I was still seeing clients and teaching classes and a lot of work, but I feel empowered by that because that's what I came here to do. Mm -hmm. Can you give some different examples of how intuition could be showing up in someone's life and perhaps they don't realize that that is their intuition? Yeah, I love that. Um, You know, we all have those little nudges from the soul. And one of the games that I play in my intuition classes is go ahead and think about uh, a choice. You've got a choice in front of you to make, and it's an important choice. And then meditate and visualize yourself making one of those choices. Like for example, maybe it's starting your own business, or maybe it's just looking for another job in the same, uh, you know, same arena that you've been working in and see how that choice moves through the future. And what I mean is just visualize yourself, making that choice, being in that office, doing that work, moving into the future. And then how does your body and your gut feel right away? Because your gut is either going to go, oh, God, no. Or your gut is going to feel lighter and maybe happy. And you might find yourself smiling. That's your intuition going, yes, go down that path. No matter what your logic mind says, there will be answers in that journey for you that will help you move forward. I think that for me with the intuition too, it's been having the universe and my higher power, like I've talked about, like the synchronicities, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of the people that are being placed in my life um, and really just being open to, to thinking about, I don't think that I, you know, I have all these amazing interactions with strangers. I don't think that I'm unique in the sense that the universe or my higher power is just placing these people through my path, but not anybody else's. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's just because I'm, I guess, more open to it or or I'm more willing to like, look at the guy next to me and say like, Hey, what are you saying on your dating app? Um, But I, I believe that we, that these experiences are happening for all of us, you know, on a daily. Totally agree. Yeah. And here, here's what you just said. You know, the minute you decided that you were going to start looking for a different way to get aligned, your career aligned with your unique path, the universe goes, oh, she's ready. Okay, now we can put this in her path. We can put this person next to her on the bus seat. You know, we can get this conversation going that's going to give her the podcast. And I know a lot of people think that's quote unquote woo-woo thinking. And that's okay. They can think that all they want. But when you're in your path, in your flow, saying yes to who you are and what you've come to do, magic happens miracles occur it's there's no denying that you go talk to anybody who maybe said yes to their alternative career that was right for them and suddenly the right person meets them in the coffee shop by accident that gives them an opening or an idea that is when i say we have a loving universe here supporting us in our growth and our evolution that's how it works mm-hmm you know, I had a story. I didn't, I didn't share it in that episode where I, when I was talking about Marvin and talking to strangers, but 
it was a couple, it was probably about a couple months or a month after that experience had happened. And, you know, as I said, I was starting to realize that there was something going on here with me mm-hmm. talking to strangers. And so it was a Friday night and uh, I had just left a work thing and I had made plans to meet a friend for dinner, like with a group of people after an AA meeting, but I really just, I wanted to go home. I was tired, but it was so weird. There was something inside of me that was compelling me to go meet up with them. And so I find myself just like getting on the bus and I go. And so I go meet them at this restaurant and a group of people, they're standing outside of the restaurant and they're huddled around this one guy and he has a, a bag on the ground. And I walk up to my friend and I go, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm buying this guy. He just published a book. His book just came out. It's about all of his experiences with strangers being a San Francisco city bus driver. Oh my God. <laughs> and immediately my whole, I started to cry. Yes. I started to cry. <laughs> and like oh. tears came down my eyes and it was like, of course I was supposed to, supposed to come. And then I'm talking to the guy and buying his book. I'm like crying. He probably thought it was such a weirdo. <laughs> it was perfectly meant to help you get that validation that this is your journey you know the universe is always sending us signs like that and our logic mind is always going no this is a logical left brain physical world there's nothing else going on here but our higher selves our loving god consciousness knows better and knows that, that there is a plan that we are meant to do and meet certain people but we've got to say yes to which side of the journey we're going to take. Mm -hmm. Like if we're saying, no, I'm just going to go down the dark path and be in my pain and blame the world, then, you know, those signs are not going to be popping up every day, or maybe they are, and you're just not noticing them, you know, but the minute you open your eyes to say, I'm going to look for the acknowledgement from this universe to help guide me. Oh, you'll be blown away by what shows up. Do you have a particular powerful experience that you could share? There's so many millions of them. Um, I work with grieving clients all the time and they blow me away every single time. And, you know, they are always telling me um, uh, stories about their loved ones coming in and giving them signs and advice and opening doors. And the stories are mind blowing. But for me personally, Um, I was working on the phone with a grieving mom and the night before I always meditate on their path. And I figured out there's, there's numerology path as well as their departed child's numerology path. And I meditate on that and go, you know, please divine guides, help me help this soul heal and move forward. And then I go to sleep. And in the middle of the night, before I worked with this one mom, Um, this owl showed up on my uh, deck and I have lived in Colorado 40 years where I had a family of owls who came and lived on my fence. They were like part of my family for a long time. And when I moved here to Arizona, there were no owls in our neighborhood and none. I mean, I think it might be because of pesticides or who knows what, but no owls around. And the night before I worked with this client, Uh, This owl landed not only on my house, but right next to my window, hooting so loud, it woke me up and I couldn't get back to sleep. And the next day I'm working with the mom and one of the, and her son was so vibrant. And one of the questions I asked her was, 
do you feel that he ever communicates through signs? And she said, oh yeah, he brings owls to me in the weirdest ways, brings them in front of my car when I'm driving, brings them to, you know, and I realized he knew I was here to help his mom. And he brought that owl to my deck so I could tell her about it. And that owl has never been back. <laughs> and I know that that was a sign of validation from him that, yeah, tell mom about this. Cause then she'll really know that you're helping her and that I'm still around. Mm. I don't even think I've ever come across an owl in the flesh. <laughs> I know they're very powerful creatures. You don't, you don't not notice it, you know? <laughs> what about, um, do you have any suggestions or tips as far as, you know, asking God or the universe for a sign? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the minute we ask for help, we're always lifted up into a higher consciousness. So for example, let's say you're having a hard day. Let's say you're lost in your doubt and your pain. That's okay. That's the human journey. You can just call out and say, you know, I'm really having a hard time today, lifting my awareness up and believing in the higher experience of who I might be and what I came here to do. Please send me some sign or some energetic help to lift me up and you will absolutely have an answer. And whether that means a phone call out of the blue from a friend who you haven't heard from forever, who really lifts you up or all kinds of magic can happen to really help you in that moment. But we have to ask because the universe is interactive. In other words, I have to give permission to God consciousness, to the higher realms to help me because we can choose to not have help if that's how we want to do it. That's the beauty of the free will of this universe. Mm -hmm. I know. I think one of the hardest things for me was just to kind of do all these things on a consistent basis. And not only, it's not like I was putting it aside, but it's like we get busier. I mean, I would, I would go to bed every night, like, okay, tomorrow, like first thing in the morning, I'm going to meditate you know, and then it never would happen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, you know, you've just described exactly the challenge of the human experience because the way I see it, we're all divine beings and we drop into this physical world for a journey of learning. And yet we get down here and we're taught from a young age that it's just a physical world, you know, that we're just physical beings. And or else we get taught some sort of religious dogma that um, goes against what our intuition is really telling us. And so then, you know, we really get confused. Am I a divine being or am I a physical being? And this physical being, and we're both, but the physical world is going to pull your focus. You got to make money. You got to do the laundry. You got to clean the house, you know, and that's all focused on the physical reality. But I think what we're trying to learn here is how do I be successful, engage, working in this physical world, grounded in it, and still be connected to my higher consciousness. And so that when I have a thought, I also have a feeling from my heart that helps me see both perspectives, the divine lens perspective of the soul and the earthly practicality. So my husband that I'm now very much in love with and married to and raised two kids with, 
he was diagnosed in 2018 with cancer and it just threw us for a loop as you can imagine and we had to look at it through divine lens soul's view as well as the very earthly practical view and what that meant was we found a doctor here in Arizona at Mayo who gave us hope so we really focused on the practical reality of that and we actually moved to Arizona at the same time doing our meditation our healing work our visualizations on the spiritual level through the divine lens knowing that at some level this is Gene's journey here, that he's learning something from it. And that if he's meant to heal himself, that is a complete possibility here. So we got to walk in both, you know, and that's hard. It is really hard, but that's what we're here trying to do. What was that experience like for you? Like learning that he had cancer when you had lost your other, your former husband to cancer as well. Well, that was one of those moments where I went, wait a minute, I can't do this. This is way too hard. What was I thinking signing up for this lifetime? And, you know, that lasted a couple days. And I do this thing with my pitiful self. I call it when I'm in that state, if I can take a day and just stay in bed and cry and maybe watch a sad movie, that's okay. I got to do it, you know, but I do it with the awareness that I'll feel better soon. And when I do, I'm going to reach for a different uh, opinion or perspective. And I always have to meditate because without meditation, I get very lost in the physical world. Um, So I was able to finally see it as my journey of expressing my love for him in a better way than I even was able to with my first husband because I was so young. And to love him on the journey, no matter what it is, no matter where it's going to take us, because I've agreed to this journey as well. And it's a journey for me of loving better, more compassion, more wisdom rather than fear, and standing in the presence of that loving consciousness as often as I can. Mm -hmm. And do you feel that his cancer lays heavy on your heart on a daily basis? No, it really comes and goes. And here's an example is, you know, he looks great right now and he's doing great and we go out and do stuff and he just looks like his old healthy self. And we're in the joy and the gratitude of that. And then he did another test yesterday and the results weren't exactly what we'd hoped. And so we both spent some time in our pitiful selves and now we're starting to rally again and talking about, okay, so what's our plan now? And, you know, it's, here's what I want everyone to know. Nobody here is enlightened 24 seven. Nobody here is able to lift above this pain all the time, but all of us here can find moments of lifting above it, moments of finding that higher perspective. And we get to choose how often we go to that higher consciousness. And the more we do it, the stronger we get. Mm. It's beautiful. Can you talk about all of the different resources and services that you provide? So I work with a combination of career intuitive work. So in other words, if you hate your job and you know there's something better for you, but you don't know what it is, I'm your girl and I will do your numerology and meditate on your path and be able to give you some pretty specific guidance for moving forward. I mean, I'm a true testament to it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, you are. I'm on your show because of you did it. Uh, and then I'm also work with many, many grieving people and especially grieving parents. And I also want to recommend, um, well, my book, if you're grieving, my book, Bridges to Heaven, True Stories of Loved Ones on the Other Side may, may be able to help you. Um, but the other thing is if you're a grieving parent, and you're feeling very distraught, I do encourage you to go to a website called healing, uh, helpingparentsheal.org, helpingparentsheal.org. And you'll find a lot of other parents and a lot of resources um, that I think anybody who's lost a child needs a lot of different resources to help them. And I think helpingparentsheal.org is very powerful. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for everything. This has been wonderful. I know that this won't be the last time that we chat. Thank you so much. Seriously, big impact on me. Um, I'm just really grateful that our, our paths crossed. It was truly and divinely inspired and you're a big inspiration to me, truly living in your power, um, walking this earth with grace. And you're just a, a beautiful example of, of love and light. So thank you so much. I love you, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up today's episode. As always, I hope that you heard something that can help you on your own journey. Please check out the show notes for all of the resources from Sue, as well as additional resources to help you on your own journey. You'll also find links to all of my social media accounts. Please, again, five-star review, motherfuckers. Can you please give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? It would really mean a lot to me. Thanks in advance. And now it is time for Hit a Girl Up. So first I received a message from George on TikTok and he wanted to know my advice on guided meditations that I use. I will include a list of some of my faves. I use Insight Timer, the app. There's like a million bajillion meditations on there. And then I also have a few people on YouTube that I like to listen to their stuff as well. So next I received a message from Laura and she wanted to know if I had any tools that I use whenever I find myself in a negative state of mind. And my favorite thing to do, and, and this comes from Gabby Bernstein's book, Super Attractor, it's called the three-step choose again method. So the first step is to notice the thought. So whenever you find yourself in a negative thinking pattern, identify what it is that you're feeling. I'm feeling less than. I am in fear. The next thing to do is to forgive the thought. So say to yourself, thank you universe for revealing to me what I don't want so that I can clarify what I do want. And then the third step is choose again. So ask yourself, what is the best feeling thought that I can find right now? Now, it's important that whatever this next best thought is, that it's something that you can actually believe. So 
Let's say that you are feeling financial insecurity. The next best thought would not be, I'm going to be debt-free in a week because that is not very fucking believable. So instead, it would be something like, I am open to creative possibilities for abundance. And then this becomes your prayer. Say that as many fucking times as you need. I find that to be really, really helpful. And then one other thing also comes from her book. It's just a quick little prayer that I use. I like to use sometimes too. I actually have it written in my notes in my phone so I can use it whenever I need it. And it is, universe, I recognize that I am out of alignment. I am ready to be released from the sphere. I choose love instead. So those are my two suggestions, Laura. Thanks for the question. If you have questions, insights, comments, I would love to hear from you. Hit a girl up. Check out the show notes for ways to contact me. I will see y'all next week for another episode. It's going to be super raw. It's going to be super vulnerable. And I'm super excited for y'all to hear it. It's going to be a goodie. I promise. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.